We're talking about how, how do I pray, part one. I'm going to do this in two parts because next week we're going, to, we're going to learn some lessons from Jesus himself. Today we're going to predominantly, there's a couple things from the New Testament, we're going to be predominantly be in the Old Testament. And, um, and I want to begin, you know, is there, is there a secret to getting God's attention? That's where we are. Is there a secret to getting God's attention? And um, I want to begin just with some myths about prayer. And some of these are pretty basic, some of these you know, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I just want to kind of go through that to kind of clear up any potential fog there might be when we talk about prayer. And, and uh, we're talking about this for like another uh, uh, four weeks, five, four weeks, I guess. And uh, so we're going to be, have the opportunity to talk about some of these things in greater detail. But uh, some myths about prayer, that you have to be on your knees. Sometimes you think, well, I have to, I have to be on my knees. And, and you know what, let me just say this. We are not of the kind of a tradition in this church where, where we bow down or have, get on our knees to pray. doesn't mean anything wrong with it. It's a great, in fact, it's a, particularly from people from our kind of background where we don't normally practice that, sometimes it's a good thing to do. Kind of, kind of humbling just to get down on your knees and, and just pray and, and so forth. But we don't have to be. And we need to understand, don't have to be in church. I don't have to pray the right things. So I'm like, you know, what if I pray? Can I pray this? Can I pray for this? I've had people ask me that a number of times. Can I, can I pray for the deal to come through? I said, Sure. May not happen, but you can pray for it. You know, and, and who knows? Uh, you know, God may, what God may do through all that. Um, another myth, that I've got to do it or else something bad will happen. You know, I better pray or, and, and sometimes it becomes a superstition. Now, I don't know every baseball player uh, that, that crosses himself before he bats, uh, and I don't want to judge them, and there may, everyone that does that may be doing that sincerely. God help me to get a hit. That's fine. No, I have no problem with that. Um, however, sometimes you wonder if maybe it just might be a superstitious thing they're doing. Well, I better cross myself, and, and that maybe that'll give me good luck. That's not necessarily the purpose of prayer. That's not the purpose of prayer at all, by the way. Um, think, just think about that, all right? Sometimes, you know, sometimes in, in, in our circles, people may pray before a meal, and that's a great thing to do. It's a great discipline and so forth. However, sometimes it just becomes sort of, a, well, we better pray or we're going to choke on our food or something. You know, that's not the reason to pray. But you, you, you give thanks. And whether you do that verbally or whether you do that all together or hopefully you do that before every meal, even if it's just in your heart and mind. You know, thanks, thanks Lord, for food. So uh, things can become almost super, I had a, almost superstitious. I had a, a few, some known some friends over the years and used to play in the NFL. And I remember one of them telling me that he used to go to chapel because he was afraid that if he didn't, he might get hurt. You know, and then he went to chapel and got hurt and realized, well, it didn't really help that much, but at least not for that purpose. Um, how about this myth? That if, I, if they don't get answered, I somehow screwed up. Something wrong with me. My prayer didn't get answered. We're going to talk, our last message really, our last talk in this series is, is on unanswered prayers. And we're going to talk about that more in detail. How many of you ever heard of the song, um, unanswered Prayers by Garth Brooks. Isn't that a great song? I love that song. I'm, I'm just sort of doing that because Steve, our, our creative artist, said, we need to do a country song. And of course, you know what kind of reception that got. But um, those of you who know him. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to talk about unanswered prayers. But, but ju- I'll just tell you this now. Just because your prayers don't get answered doesn't mean you screwed up. Because many of us, Sometimes when we screw up, sometimes we don't. Our prayers aren't answered the way we pray them. 
We'll talk more about that, but don't, don't think that's necessarily you don't have enough faith or, or you don't, you're not in the right place or whatever. That could be, but it may not be. Don't automatically make that assumption. Um, how about this one? You, you, that you need some sort of repetition. Sometimes mindless repetition. Let me show you what, what Jesus says about this. Now about prayer. This is from Matthew. Now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray... Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father secretly. Then your Father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. Watch this. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Now that happens, you say, well, is that a, is that a Catholic thing? Sometimes it is, but I've also known Protestant people who just repeat things over and over and over again. They think, well, the more I say mindlessly, there's nothing wrong with being persistent. We need to be persistent. You know, God help me to have strength. God help me to have strength. And if you mean that, but it's when it becomes mindless and I just start thinking, well, by, by virtue of the repetition, by the virtue of just praying these prayers, a number of times, somehow it's going to be more magical and some voodoo is going to happen and God's going to answer. That's the wrong, that's the wrong attitude. You know, it's not, it's, and, and Jesus tells us that right there in Matthew. Um, don't babble on as other people of other religions do. Thinking their prayers are answered only by the repeating of their words. Another myth is that you need the right prayer language. You have to use certain words. Or maybe there, there, are, there is a, a, a group of people who believe in, in, in Christian circles, Protestant, Catholic, whatever, um, that they also acquire a certain prayer language. And they, they sometimes call that speaking in tongues or a prayer tongue or a prayer language. And uh, I'm not going to judge that. I never experienced that. Don't particularly have a desire to. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, sometimes there, there comes almost an elitism along. Well, I have my own prayer language. And I say, well, what, do you, what are you praying? Well, I don't know, but God does. And my answer usually is somehow I think God would like us just to talk to him in words that we understand because he's going to understand it. No. And, and so that, that gets a little crazy uh, at times, and a little, 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 little out there. Um, not, not that I'm judging it or whatever, but it's, it's, I don't really find it in Scripture, but, but that's okay uh, if somebody wants to do something like that. But don't think you have to do that. The other thing is sometimes you know, I've been talking with people, and, and, and it's ever happened to you that you're talking to somebody, sometimes maybe in church, and all of a sudden they're just talking, you know, hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah, cool, whatever. And then, oh, God, thou art the great God. Kind of like we saw in the video, you know. Uh, before the guy got a little crazy. Um, um, there's no, you don't have to do these and thous. Just talk to God. Just talk to God. We're going to look at an example in just a moment from the, from the Old Testament. And it's pretty shocking, actually, from David, my guy. He's the, anyway, I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Um, you don't need a prayer language. Or you have to ask for the right things. Or you have to, you have to feel it. And I gotta, I gotta feel God's presence. You know, I have, I think, on a couple of occasions in my life, felt the presence of God. I have, and it's, it's pretty cool. But you know, I can probably count those times maybe on one hand. And, and, and if we depend upon those kinds of times, we're not gonna pray much. It's not a matter of feeling it, okay? It's a matter that God is there, and we need to stop and realize and understand that. C.S. Lewis said this. I said it last week. I may say it every week. 
what seem our worst prayers may really be, in God's eyes, our best. Those, I mean, which are least supported by devotional feeling. For these may come from a deeper level than feeling. God sometimes seems to speak to us most intimately when He catches us, as if it were, off our guard. So, what kind of prayer gets God's attention? Back to that point again. What kind of prayer gets God? That's what I want. What do you think about this prayer? If I'm a student of anybody in the Scripture other than Jesus, it's probably David in the Old Testament. David and I have a lot of things in common, and there's some things in David had in his, that had in his life that I'd like to have in my life, and I don't mean by that 500 wives, um, but there's some things that David had in his life that I'd like to have in my life, some of the character qualities that he had and so forth. Um, but I'm going to take you to a, uh, to a David, many of the Psalms are David's prayers, and I'm going to take you to a Psalm right now, and it's going to, it's going to be long. But I, I want you to stay with me because it, it, it's, it's, it's worth it. It's what we call, in theological language, an imprecatory psalm. There's about, depending on how you want to count them, there's about 18 or 19 of them in the Bible, in the, in, in the psalms. We call them imprecatory psalms because imprecatory means a curse. Now, you know, they could have, if I were writing the theology books back then, I would have just called them curse prayers. But that wouldn't sound nearly as cool as imprecatory psalms, you know. But that's basically what they were. And um, I'm going to tell you more about this in a moment. But I want you just to, this is David, the only man that God ever said this about in the Bible. He's a man after my own heart. God said that about David. And this is David praying a prayer. This is before he becomes king. This is when King Saul is king. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. And this is his prayer, and, 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 and it's, it's his heart. It's his heart. Now watch this prayer. This is going to shake some of you. I, I really debated whether to do this or not, and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to hide the Bible from you. It's there. It's there for you to read. And, and if you read it some other time, maybe you wouldn't totally understand it. But, but this is his heart. And, uh, and, and just follow along. We're going to pick it up in Psalm 109, verse 6. So just stay with me here. Watch this. Arrange for an evil person to turn on him. This guy. Send an accuser to bring him to trial. When his case is called for judgment, let him be pronounced guilty. Count his prayers as sins. Let his years be few. <laughs> Seriously, let his position be given to someone else. May his children become fatherless. May his wife become a widow. Whoa. May his children wander as beggars. May they be evicted from their ruined homes. May creditors seize his entire estate and strangers take all he has earned. Let no one be kind to him. Let no one pity his fatherless children. You say, wow. <laughs> He's pretty tit. <laughs> May all his offspring die. <laughs> There's a prayer for you. May his family name be blotted out in a single generation. May the Lord never forget the sins of his ancestors. May his mother's sins never be erased from the record. May these sins always remain before the Lord. But may his name be cut off from the human memory, for he refused all kindness to others. He persecuted the poor and the needy. He hounded the brokenhearted to death. He loved to curse others. Now you curse him. He never blessed others. Now, don't you bless him. Cursing is, much, is as much a part of him as his clothing. 
or as the water he drinks, or the rich food he eats. May his curses return and cling to him like clothing. May, may they be tied around him like a belt. May those curses become the Lord's punishment for my accusers who are plotting against my life. Wow! You say, that's really heavy. David prayed that. He prayed that. He prayed that about a particular individual. You say, that really wasn't a very good prayer, was it? I wouldn't recommend praying it. Um, I will be honest, a couple of times in my life, just a couple, not many, just a couple of times, I have read those words and thought about an individual. I'm not proud of that, but I have. But look what David does next. Verse 22, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is full of pain. I am fading like a shadow at dusk. I'm, fall- he's, he's I'm falling like a grasshopper uh, that is brushed aside. My knees are weak from fasting. I'm skin and bones. I'm the object of mockery to people everywhere. When they see me, they shake their heads. Help me, O oh Lord my God. Save me because of your unfailing love. Let them see that this is your doing, that you yourself have done it, Lord. That you, that, then let them curse me if they like, but you bless me. When they attack me, they will be disgraced, but I, re- but I, your servant, will go right on rejoicing. Make their humiliation obvious to all. Clothe my accusers with disgrace, but I will give you repeated thanks to the Lord, praising him to everyone, for he stands beside the needy, ready to save them for those who condemn them. Say, okay, Whew. that's a prayer. All right, a little FYI here. Why would David have prayed such a prayer? And by the way, you know, you can, we have some theologues here. Um, uh, there's all kinds of things theologians do with the imprecatory prayers. Some say it's, you know, it's, it's to show us the righteousness of God. And that may be true too. But, but as much as anything, I think these prayers are to show us here is a man crying out to God. Not necessarily in a good way. Because God tells us to forgive those who, who, who sin against us. God tells us to, what? Heap kindness upon our enemies. But this is just his heart. He didn't pray the right words, but it was his heart. Why would David be praying? Let me just give you a real quick little FYI on this. Um, here's the background of that, of that psalm. There, David is being chased by King Saul. King Saul has found out that David has been uh, chosen by God to be the next king. So King Saul's jealous, he's insecure. And his point is, if I eliminate David, somehow I'm going to remain king. He's just a, he's got a really screwed up way of thinking at this point in his life. So King Saul is chasing, and all the troops and all his army are chasing David for almost 10 years, trying to kill him. Of course, they never catch him, but they, came, they had some close calls and so forth. Well, one of the places David went for, for sort of a, a refuge was he went to Ambimelech, who was a priest. And Ambimelech was a, was a priest, and he had a whole staff of priests, Old Testament priests. You know, we, we can, for, it's kind of a, it, it doesn't totally hold up, but sort of like a modern-day clergy. They had a lot more, more authority and power than, quote-unquote, modern-day clergy. So, but King David goes to Ambimelech the, and his other priest, and he says, you know, Saul's chasing me. You know I've been anointed the king, and I'm going to be the king. I just need some, I need some food. I'm on the run through the wilderness. So Abimelech and some of his guys give him some, some showbread. The old sort of a, again, not a great parallel, but sort of an Old Testament equation or equate to, uh, to uh, communion bread. So Abimelech gives David showbread, sends him on his way, and there's this one guy, this one stinking little mole who sees all this. 
Okay? And his name is Doag. And Doag sees all this. King Saul ends up there later on. King Saul says, was David here? And everybody kind of just looks you know, at each other. And then Doag says, yeah, yeah. You know, you know the guy, don't you? This little weenie spine. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was here. He was here. You know, we all know people like that. And he says, he was here. And, and Abimelech and all the priests gave him food. King Saul commanded his troops to kill the priest and all the all the tabernacles, all the all the staff, not tabernacles, but all the staff of the, uh, of the of the priest. He said, "Kill them all." His own soldiers wouldn't do that, so he looked at Doag and basically gave him a gun, not literally, obviously, but said, "You kill him." So Doag killed them. Bimbalich and eighty-five priests went to their homes, killed all their wives, all their children, all their animals. We say, I don't know if I have that for you now, but I'll just read it to you. It's in uh, 1 Samuel 22. King said to Doag, you do it. Doag turned them and he killed. Uh, do, I, I don't, do I have that back there? I don't have that. Okay. And he killed them, 85 priests in all, still wearing their priestly tunics. They went to Nob, the city of priests, killed the priest's families, men and women, children, babies, all the cattle, all the donkeys, and all the sheep. David finds out about it and writes that prayer. So now you can understand a little bit. He said, God, and I don't mean to be profane, but he said, God, damn him, damn him, what he did. That's the cry of a man praying to God. Was he right in all of his feelings? No, but he's a human. And I understand that. Some of us maybe have said prayers like that to God about bin Laden. I remember, I remember when Saddam Hussein's sons were captured. And we're killed. I, I, I'll be blunt. I was like, yes, I did. I had also just happened to have just read the Sports Illustrated article that, that talked about what his sons did to the athletes in, in Iraq who lost, which was just basically torture them. So we, we can understand that. But my point is not to pray this prayer. My point is this. Is there a secret to getting God's attention? Yeah, spill your guts. That's the secret to getting God's attention. Spill you. And you know what? It's not always going to be pretty. But God wants to hear from you because He wants a relationship with you. He understands, goodness, He understands we're all fallen creatures. And we have, and, and particularly when we've been wronged or those that we, we love have been wronged, there's going to be some, some feelings that are just not going to be always righteous. Look, what, this is a quote from Locato. I put this in this week at Renaissance if you get that email, newsletter. Um, our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. God wants to hear from us. And the most effective way for us to get God's attention is just to spill our guts. Here I am. I believe it's one of the reasons that David was the only man in Scripture that God said, He's a man after my own heart. He'll tell me what's going on inside of him. God already knows. But to say it is another thing. And that's a bold illustration of it right there. Listen, that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. He is our advocate, our high priest to the Father. He takes us into what I mentioned last week, the throne room of God, if you want to use that term. That's why we pray. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. 
because Jesus takes our prayers to God. And that doesn't mean you have to say that every time or say the right words every time, but that's, that's why we do it when we do say it. Let me show you this, Hebrews chapter 4. That is why we have a great high priest who's gone to heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. This high priest who has ready access, who has ready access of, our, of ours, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Then we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it. We do have that tremendous blessing of Jesus. That's why we, you know, that's, that's, that's our prayer. You want to pray that prayer that is effective and that's going to get God's attention? Spill your guts. Don't hide. Don't cover up. Doesn't do you any good. I don't know why we do that, but we do. You have to be prim and proper. A few weeks ago, some of you will remember this if you were here. I mistakenly, I don't know if it's a mistake or not, it's how I talk. Um, I was praying and I said, God, you know, you know all of our crap. And everybody started laughing in my prayer. Not a few people kind of giggled and, and they said, you know, and we kind of joked about that. Did I say crap in a prayer? Um, I did. And it's true. You know, just talk to God. You know, and just say, yeah, God, here I am. You know, you know what's the deal? You think he's going he's gonna to check out when you talk another way some other time? He doesn't. I want to close with, um, I'm gonna, I may do this every, every week during this thing. I'm not sure yet. But, but last week I closed with, I, I mentioned I'd been, this book that I like, uh, The Valley of the Vision, a collection of Puritan prayers. Talked a little bit about, if you weren't here, I talked a little bit about the Puritans and how certainly they had their, their, their problems with some people, but there are also many of them who really desired to just live for God, just to honor God. And I just read this, this book. It's a prayer book. And I, I just love reading it because they talk, you know, it's in the 17 and 1800s. And they talk a different way, but they just, they really have a way of just, I think, of just putting words in, in their prayers. And, and I've got another prayer for you. And you can just, it's, you can just follow along with me. You're going to see it here on the screen. And then if you want to make it your prayer, make it your prayer. It'll be up tomorrow on the website if you want to, if you want to get a copy of it. But here it is. Fit me for every scene and circumstance. Stay my mind upon thee and turn my trials to blessings that they may draw out my gratitude and praise as I see their design and effects. Render my obedience to thy holy will natural and delightful. Rectify all my principles by clear, consistent, and influential views of divine truth. Let me never undervalue or neglect any part of thy revealed will. May I truly regard the doctrine and practice of the gospel, prizing its commands as well as its promises. Sanctify me in every relation, office, transaction, and condition of life that if I prosper, I may not be unduly exalted. If I suffer, I may not be overly sorrowful. Balance my mind. What a prayer. Balance my mind in all varying circumstances. Help me to cultivate a disposition that renders every spiritual duty a privilege. That's prayer. And may God make that a part of our life. Lord God, we 
humbly echo the words of that prayer that somebody wrote in the 1700s. We do pray, God, some of those very same things. Help us, God, to, if we prosper, not to be unduly exalted. And if we, if we suffer, that we won't be overly sorrowful. Balance our mind in all the varying circumstances of life. We make that our prayer. We thank you for Jesus who came to give us the ability to have a relationship with you and, 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 and to give us access to God. We thank you for that. Help us to think about that, not just when we come here on Sunday, but, but every day of the week. We're in the midst of, 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 of opposition. We're in the midst of, of dealing. We're in the midst of, of family life. We're in the midst of, of whatever's going on in our homes and communities and neighborhoods and business. Help us to think about the access that we have at that moment to you. We thank you for that and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.